Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. What's up, Isaac? How you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? So, uh, yeah, my my question is, uh, I like to keep them kind of to the the overall nature of the call. And in this case, it seems like, you know, the ethics of copy and marketing and morality and such. And the I've gotten started in a niche that I'm focusing on for the next six months, which is the survivalist prepper kind of niche. And a lot of it is a, is focused on preparing for something that, of course, is not happening now uh, in the context that they mention it. And I could see how that could be kind of a, a moral quagmire for some people. It isn't for me yet, but I kind of want to head it off at the pass. And for me, it's kind of like uh, like the argument of, like for example, like heaven, if you're religious, it makes all the sense in the world. If you're not, then it can sound like, you know, a bit of a bait and switch. So in terms of marketing, how would you kind of, uh, I guess, react to that? You know, what, what is your response to that kind of situation? So, I mean, are, are you implying or here's how I, sorry, I'm, I'm seeing the question as, you know, so obviously there's a survivalist, you know, prepper sort of thing. But uh, there's a line where it's probably maybe selling a too much doom and gloom in, a, in some sort of future utopia that's borderline. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess it's like selling some utopia away from it, a doom and gloom. Is that, is that how I'm hearing it? Or yeah, it's like I mean, the fact that we continue to not have nuclear winters and riots happening next week and whatnot is, in a sense, kind of. I guess you could say disproving the value of some, some of the offers, but at the same time, like it's also based on a future case. So, you know, I guess it's like an insurance kind of idea. Right. Well, I mean, I know the interesting thing is I know, what is it that during the pandemic, I think those like survivalist bunkers, uh, the, the people who had them at all various different income levels, you know, I think there's like a, is there one out here in Colorado where, you know, they're super wealthy and the people have stayed there for like a year? Uh, you know, it, it, that is, a, it's a very, that's a very tough question, right? Because it's almost kind of like a grain of sand. It's like how many grains of sand is then, when is it bad? Because a lot of these survivalists and preppers, like something like COVID kind of pays off for them, you know? And obviously if they see the rioting in the streets like we had last summer, that, that, that makes them scared. And I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't know that market incredibly well. Like my dad was into it a bit, but I don't think he was like scared of dying. Like I, th- I hear a lot that people, they're scared of dying. I mean, at least he wasn't that. Um, so I think there, there is something about, um, I think in human nature 
about protecting the person. And, I, and I'm probably going to speak, you know, because I'm, like I said, I don't know the market incredibly well. So it's going to be tough for me to, to, to put on the, the morals. But I think there's an element of where people want to feel protected. They want to, you know, they want to protect themselves. They want to protect their family. Right. And there is something very, I believe, honorable in that. Um, and obviously there, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like the pandemic, you know, all suddenly a bunch of, you know, people went into their survival bunkers, um, you know, or they see these riots and they're scared to go down in the cities, uh, you know, and cities are kind of a mess right now. Um, so I think that there is a matter of, of, you know, finding that where it's not quite selling them, like the end is near kind of like someone on the street corner that they will die. But there is an element of, you know, of walking them into like, look, pandemics, uh, you know, cities, all of these things are going wrong, you know, are going crazy, but there is something to protecting your family. There is something to, you know, being prepared. Uh, you know, you, we, you don't know if the end of day, the end of days is, is coming. We don't know when it's coming, but that doesn't, you know, so there's a matter of like the, the nuclear bomb is happening tomorrow. Um, I think there's a matter of kind of leaning into that family protectiveness, I, I think is probably an area uh, where it's a little bit more on the ethical side versus leaning so much into doom, gloom, and hell. Um, you know, you can obviously show that sort of winter is coming, but I think there's probably a line there uh, that, that'll probably make itself apparent. I mean, I, I know that answer might seem a little bit ambiguous, but I imagine there's sort of a gut feeling uh, there like this is just a bit too much. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that, if that helps answer it or not. Um, at least it's kind of what popped up in my head yeah it was more just to get your reaction to it because it seemed kind of like a just a curious question to, to pose given like you know what you guys were talking about but yeah that's that's very helpful i appreciate it oh thank you isaac cool thanks isaac um we're gonna do two more questions and then i there's two that I, in the chat that i or in the q a may be able to kind of rapid answer but let's go to um We'll do Jazz and Chad, and then for Akshay and Samantha, probably I'll just answer yours probably pretty quickly here at the end. Um, but uh, Jazz, we're gonna bring you on. Where are you here? There we go. What's up, Jazz? Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? How's it going? Yeah. So yeah, pretty st straightforward question. Like, what are some examples of companies that you've seen? They advertise the truth, and the truth wasn't sexy, but it's still appeal to a mass audience. Like one example I can think of is P90X. It's a super intense, hardcore workout program. They didn't hide the fact that it was hardcore workouts, but it still did extremely well. But do you guys have any other examples of companies that did that successfully? Do, do you mean like they advertise it a, a truth aggressively or just advertise it the kind of the truth? Because a, a lot, there's a saying in marketing where it's, sell them what they want, give them what they need. So they might stretch the claims in the marketing message. It might not always be honest, but there's other companies who don't shirk away from that. They tell you the truth up front and somehow it still works. So I'm wondering if you guys have seen just from your experience, any companies who didn't, they didn't lie about anything in the marketing. In fact, they probably featured the truth and it still did extremely well to a vast audience right so i one example that i that i use a lot um and, and granted they've you know they, they change uh their advertising but tuft and needle um 
did a really good job. Like they have a video, you know, where they, they explain their about story and it's, and it's there, they have, uh, they baked in the themes into their site as well, where they really kind of slay the mattress industry, you know, like I'm the sleep specialist. I mean, they just completely kneecap uh, these people. Uh, but then they show, you know, there, there's something like, here's the mattress we're going to deliver. You know, they completely show uh, how the mattress industry works, which is a unique angle for, for sales, right? But they show, like, the reason why you're getting the sleep specialist or, you know, or the delivery guy. So they kind of show, like, okay, here's all that. And here's what we did differently, Right. Um, you know, the mattress gets delivered to you. They don't really go on, you know, the super luxury thing. They just kind of go on simplicity and a decent night's sleep. So that's definitely one, one company to pay attention to, uh, that I noticed that, that does it. Uh, shockingly, I think, I mean, they're growing, uh, and they definitely have a huge fan base. So I think it's something to pay attention to. Um, and I, and I use it myself. So this company called Starting Strength, when they just say that lifting things are hard. Whatever that does certainly uh, appeals to people. I actually think Justin uh, was doing that. I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but uh, <clears throat> he, you know, so there's certain elements of uh, what they do is like, look, what we do is hard. It's not CrossFit. It's not cardio. It's not this. It's not that. It's you're going to put heavy things on your back and lift it. But, you know, they're getting people from, uh, you know, her experienced lifters to someone who's 90 years old. So whatever that is qualifies uh, people. Um, I'm trying to think of other, there's a, there's a couple of, I mean, not, there's certain, you know, SAS companies that sort of do it, but I can't, I'm trying to think of like the name off the top of my head. Well, um, as an event, I'm not sure, you know, what kind of drew me to them. There's, you know, so this would kind of be like event marketing, I guess you could call it, it would be a company called, or not a company, but an event called MicroConf. Uh, the marketing has probably since changed with, with COVID, but they had a huge thing. So it's an SAS software event. So, you know, like, you know, you know, we kind of have, you know, uh, uh, traffic and conversion, you know, they said, you know, our message, we're not going to pitch yet. We're not going to do this. We're not, if, you know, that isn't our mantra, that isn't our belief. We're not going to, you know, this is for us. And it pulls in a good amount of people. Uh, you know, they have, they host two events at once. So they go with like, we're not X, Y, Z. Uh, so they're, but their marketing has changed a little bit with microconf. Um, trying to get as direct marketers. Um, the clothing company Taylor and Stitch, I think, is fantastic backend marketing. Uh, they kind of see you, you need to buy something, but uh, you know they will tell you like we have delays happening to why you're getting this delay. We have this, and they do it in a very elegant way. That's not trying to pressure you into something. Uh, but they have great marketing, you know, to pay attention to. And I don't know, I'm trying to pull up other ones. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, okay. I don't know. Uh, oh, um, Scott Young with uh, Rapid Learn. I think he's really good. He has actual real scarcity. He I mean, he says what we're not. Um, you know that this is going to be a lot of work. So that, you know, a course will be something like, look, this is. Uh, an intense seven week course. If you think you're just going to look at a module, you're not going to get anything out of it. You know, so it's, it's going to be a lot of work and you're going to have to get engaged. He does a really good job of that. Uh, he does it on the sales pages and also 
know, when you first get the course, that's kind of, you know, if you're not into this, get out. And I know it's remit SETI also does that mm -hmm. as well. Like if you think this is X, Y, Z, um, it's just not for you. Like we're not going to accept you. We're not going to take you in, you know, forget it. So there's a couple more examples. Cool. Jazz, was that helpful? Yeah, that was super helpful. What was the name of the mattress company, Jim? Uh, Tuft and Needle. And I would say go to their About Me page, and there's like a YouTube video. Um, it, it's, just, it's just fit. It's awesome. And they used to kind of lead with that a little bit more, but now since they're more known, they, they kind of go more of the social proof uh, side. All right. Tuft Tin Needle? Tuft yeah, Needle. Yeah, T-U-F-T and Needle. Okay, T-U-F-T and Needle. Okay. Yeah. 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 I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Cool. Thanks for the question, Jazz. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is Georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.